Racing is all I've ever thought about, even to this day. So I took that to heart. I was pretty upset and bitter for a lot of years over that. Um, but yeah, I ended up using it as motivation. Thanks for coming out, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Finally. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Glad we could do it. Um, you just had a big wreck. Yeah, I'm still recovering from it, actually. My neck is a little messed up still. Um, first time I've ever had a car go wide open. I can tell you it's not something anybody ever wants to experience. So I have a habit of leaving my belts a little loose. Yeah. So when I went off into three and I uh, throttle hung open, it was not good. When it hit, I literally lunged forward and some happy I had a Hans on because I don't know if you've ever done it. A couple times I've gone out for practice and just, nah, I don't need Forgot that. to hook up yeah, the Hans or, yeah. or whatever. But I was fully hooked that day and still hurting a little bit, but. That was practice? That was just practice, yeah. Second Jeez. or third lap practice. And that was in a late model? Yeah, so I drove for Chris House this year. Okay. Um, so it was a junior built the car. Yeah. Really good car. Um, we won the championship with it. So this was just a triple crown special at the end of the year. And, and for whatever reason, there's a bracket for a throttle stop, and it just started bending all through the year. Sure enough, it just hooked on it and held it there and killed the car. But Jeez. junior's already got it fixed. Really, eh? Yeah. So yeah. you guys are going to run it again next year? I don't know. I don't really know what my plan is for next year. I haven't decided yet, but I, I'm definitely not doing a tour and a local track because it's just it's too much. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of time racing. Eh? If like you're you're if you're at a local track every weekend and, and on the road. I had one free weekend, and that free weekend we went up to my mother-in-law's, and that's the only time I really had a full weekend with all my girls and whatnot. So we're gonna scale back just a little bit. Yeah, 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 for sure. So with all uh, all my racing guys, I want to start kind of at the beginning. Paint a picture for me, you know, what your childhood was like growing up, what your parents, what your dad did for a living, you know, where you are born. So I had a really good childhood. I grew up with four older sisters. Not really ideal, I can tell you, because <laughs> my sisters are all much older than I am. I think my oldest sister now is 52, and I'm 35. Right. Uh, the closest one to me is only two years apart, but so it's the... Old saying, how everyone said, if you had brothers, you used to beat each other up. Same idea with my sisters. They used to beat me up and they dress me up. Mm. So it was a tough childhood in <laughs> that sense. But in terms of, like, growing up, I had a great childhood. Um, both my parents are from Newfoundland, hard workers. Uh, my dad started with nothing, came here with $5 in his pocket, and built a successful business. Um, but, I mean, as far as growing up, my parents did everything for us. Um, yeah, we just grew up in Cambridge and... Uh, and in, in, in terms of the racing side of things, we never really got into racing until my dad's business started taking off and he started sponsoring a car. Okay. And then uh, one day he just said, let me jump in and try that. So and it was a cast car? No, it was a, a late model. Malpre drove it okay. in Sobel Beach in 1990. Yeah. So my dad started tinkering with that, jumped in it, and then he said, I want one. So he told Malpre to order him a brand new Howe car. And, and yeah, my dad started racing in 1992. And then uh, as far as I remember, we were going to track every Saturday. Huh. So he ran late models. Did he, he ran Casker stuff? No. Yep. Okay. Yep. So he, he sponsored late mall from 1990, ran late malls all the way up until 1996. Okay. And then he decided he wanted to go Casker racing. Um, probably cause he got kicked out of Sobble too much. He got kicked out of Sobble a lot. For what? <laughs> Rough driving. Really? Oh yeah. My was he dad, wrecking guys? He was a bit of an animal. <laughs> uh, the reason that the flag stand went from the bottom to the top, cause my dad tried to hit a guy after the race and missed and almost hit the flag man. <laughs> so he took down the flag stand for them. Uh, so, yeah, he started a cast car team in 1997 and couldn't qualify. Back in when, when the cast car series was around, you're talking 40, 50 cars. Wow. So he didn't qualify for any of the races, all but really? one, I think. 
Huh. So that's how he got connected with Don Thompson Jr. Okay, so did he had Donnie drive his car for him? So Bob Wise, who was on our crew at the time, uh, he knew Don was out of a ride because he was in the 86 Robinson Stables car okay. and just lost the ride. So my dad met him. They talked. Uh, so he said, I'll tell you what, you get in the car, figure out what's wrong with it. Mm. So then I guess the next week they went, they almost won with it. So then my, deci- my dad decided that he was just going to have two-car team, field one for Don. Don works on the stuff, and the rest is history there, man. Wow. So did you always have, uh, like like me, I think my dad brought home a kitty cat when I was, like, one one year old or something. My brother got on it before he was even a year old. Did you have, like, sleds and dirt yeah. bikes so and stuff? so we were a big snowmobile family. Okay. We all had snowmobiles. Same thing. I have a 1986, still have it to this day. Arty cat, kitty yep. cat. That my sister had before me. I was born in 88, so she got it, and then I rode it. Um, and I actually started snowmobile racing mm. on the ice oval tracks in Owen Sound in 1992. That was my first ever race was uh, 97 on that track in a yeah. kitty cat. Yeah, 1992 is when I was there. I still have the first trophy from being there. And, uh, yeah, we rode snowmobiles all the way up until my dad's accident, which was in 07. Oh uh, well, yeah, we were just a huge snowmobile family, dirt bikes, four wheelers. We grew up on a farm, so we're still there to this day. So we had lots of acreage to just get in trouble. What was his snowmobile accident? So he wasn't in a snowmobile accident. He was in a, a motorcycle accident okay. in 2007. So we had all the toys and stuff. We always used to go on family trips and stuff up until that accident. Then he just kind of tamed down a little bit. Right, right. So when did racing start for you? I guess your dad was already in it before you started? Yeah, so okay. my dad started racing in 1992. In the late model. And then in 1994, Joe Chisholm Sr. decided that he was going to start a junior late model division at Sauble Speedway. Okay. So Joe Jr. was the first driver ever in junior late model in Canada. Hmm. So they got this class going because we were the second in 1995. So the first real legit race was 1995. Okay. Which Joe Jr. and I still bicker back and forth who won, but I won the first race. I have videos and <laughs> pictures to prove this. So we started racing junior late models together in 1995 up at Salvo Beach. And then up until like when my dad left to go cast car racing in 97, I started junior cast car racing in 1998. What was the junior cast car deal? It was the same thing, same car. Uh, they just ran Wednesday nights at Delaware Speedway. Really? Yeah. And so then they had special events at like Grand Bend, Sauble, Flamborough. Like you tour around a little bit. But every Wednesday night, we'd haul down to Delaware and race there. So it was a full-on cast car? It was a, like a cast car junior, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. So it was the same idea as what you see going now with the junior late models. Right. It's just uh, Wednesday nights at Delaware was the hot place to be. Okay. So then what did you jump to from that? So this is... A wild story in a way. So we were looking at moving on from junior cast car at the time. Um, we bickered at the idea. Delaware had the trucks at the time. Okay. Big class. They had 40 trucks at the time. And then we thought about the Thunder cars or Super Stocks, whatever they were called back then. We were looking at Jason Hathaway's car because he just won the championship in that. Okay. So we were looking at it. I sat in it. Learned all the bells and whistles about it. And then he flipped it over that night. Oh, jeez. So then now my dad's like, no, we don't want that one. So in the corner of the shop, we had a old Howe car that Donnie Thompson and my dad always took to New Smyrna Speed Weeks. Mm. So my dad decided, look, instead of going mini stock racing, street stock racing, spend all this money, let's just take them in that and get laps. So sure enough, that's what we did. We got in the car. Uh, Jeff Cassidy lent us his motor for a few races. Go to Flamborough Speedway at 13 was my first time. 
in a late model and just got laps. Rode around. I think the second race, we put a clip on it. I got hooked <laughs> yeah. and, and put a clip on it. But just Camaro clip, right? So yeah. um, we fixed it all up, and I think I won the second or third race a year after at 14, yeah. Wow. So you were... Like, in that day and age, too, there weren't, you know, now it's pretty typical to have a bunch of 14-year-olds running around in, in late models and stuff, but you would have been the only kid So, kid. the only other one who started the trend around here is P.D. Shepard. Right. I looked up to P.D. a lot. He's a few years older than I am, but okay. he was the first young guy, right? It was like, oh, he's 12 in a Thunder car? Like, that's unbelievable. Right. So, he started the trend, and we raced against each other a few times in the late model, but yeah, he was the first legit young guy to start racing mm. late models. Did you... I mean, I guess, like, how were you perceived? Were you just, like, one of the guys, or, or were you, you know, a snot-nosed kid? Rich kid. Yeah. Because, of course, we rolled in at the time. We only had a 53-foot stacker trailer, right? So here I am trying to learn how to drive a late mall. We have a, or a then cast car, Super Series team, fielding this car. Right. The best equipment you could ever imagine. So it was, I like, nobody ever treated me bad. But when you get older and you start talking to people, they look, they tell you, like, you were a little snot-nosed brat back then. And mm. maybe I was. Um, of course, once we got going, we got a little trailer and whatnot to haul me to the track. But, man, I had a lot to learn. When you get out of a go-kart and you start feeling suspension and the power, and that's even before you get two inches away from someone's door. So we practiced a lot. Uh, thankfully, I was allowed to go test a lot with Donnie Thompson, and he taught me a lot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So... <sighs> During that time, like you, I guess you're still you're still so young. When did you when did you jump to Cascar? So I did. I never did a full season in a late model. Okay. So from 13 to 15, I never did anything full time. Just worked on the pit crew for the Cascar teams as a tire changer. I okay. Was the youngest tire changer in Cascar. I was the first to wear a helmet. You're doing full stops. Yeah, yeah full stops back then. So uh, <laughs> I, I got a bunch of old pictures. I was wearing a motocross helmet. Uh, I had to earn my way to get on a team, too, because it was a full gig, man. We had two full-time teams, my dad and Donnie Thompson. I had to beat my brother-in-law at a pit stop practice in order to earn my spot. So it took me a couple of years, but finally I beat him. So, yeah, we did tire changing. I was doing that for a couple of years. And then Cascar Sportsman was around. Mm. So then we decided we would take one of our Cascars, just put a two-barrel on it, and go run some Cascar Sportsman when I was 15. So I went to Cuga, Delaware, St. Estache, started learning all those tracks. And then I don't know how it started, but, like, I think Don and my dad and the crew, we always had, like, they always hang out at the shop on Saturday afternoons. And I think a bet started where my dad said to me, like, if you beat me in the first Super Series race, you can run full time. So, of course, it's like February. We're like, let's do it. Yeah. So then Teddy McAllister came, started working on our stuff. So he was my crew chief for that race. And lo and behold, I beat him in the first race. I think he pulled off because my dad was pretty good. He was getting really good in 06, 05. Um, but he was pretty good. So I think he pulled off. Mm. Hmm. So the next year you went full-time cast car racing. Yep. In 2004 was my first season. Six, 16, 15 years? 16 years, years old. Jeez. Yeah. 16. Uh, I was going for rookie of the year with Petey Shepard. Yep. Um, we fought all year for it and honestly we hurt each other more than we did good because mm. finally pd's dad kind of grabbed us both by the neck and was like you two knuckleheads need to realize you're not racing against each other you're racing against everybody else yeah because we would take each other out and it's just getting stupid so finally we started getting good runs together pd won rookie of the year uh, i think i finished 11th in points he finished ninth in points our rookie year and then uh yeah ran cast car ever since was that 
a big jump going to the cast car? Like, because now you're racing against a handful of guys who are making a living doing it. Oh, yeah. Back then, man, uh, there were still over 40 cars. So you had Al Turner, Peter Gibbons, Mark Dilley, Dave Whitlock, all those guys, Kerry Mix. Uh, it was intimidating. Like, I've watched these guys ever since I was young. I watched their videos all through the winter. So I idolized all these guys. And you don't realize how good they are until you're out there. Mm. So all those times we went testing and I got to try a Cascar Super Series car, I said, oh, Don's not even that good because I'd follow him. I'd be on his ass. But then you hear he was only in third gear, right? <laughs> so it's like, okay. So you get out in the real deal and these guys are good. So it took me a couple years to learn uh, the ropes, the ovals, the horsepower, the weight of the cars. And then on top of that now, road courses because yeah. we didn't have – or at least I didn't have iRacing or Sim or none of that. So it's just like, here's CTMP, have fun. Yeah, here's most yeah, sport. Here, yeah. Good luck. Yeah. So it took a few years to learn. Uh, I went to Bondurant Racing School. Yeah. Uh, PD and I did that together. And when I came back in 05, I podiumed on CTMP. So my confidence started building and building and building and building after that. And you you won a race that year? No. Year uh, so I won a 100-lapper. So okay. they used to do 100-lap heat races on the Saturday nights before the big 300 lap races and we won a hundred lapper. So wow. it was still a good, pretty big deal. Cause I beat one of my idols with Peter Gibbons. Yeah. Um, but that was definitely a uh, help with momentum. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a main event yet. So at, at right around that time, how were you conceptualizing racing? Were you like, okay, like now, you know, I've won this heat race. I'm racing full time. Am I going to go be a pro race car driver? I mean, the problem I always had is when you grew up around it, you don't know anything else. Mm. So it was always in my future that I wanted to be a professional race car driver. I just didn't really respect um, the equipment we had or the opportunity I had, which hurt me down the road. Mm. So, yeah, the goal was to keep racing at a professional level. Um, but, again, still in 05, 06, you don't realize how good these guys are until you finally beat them. Yeah. Then you realize you're just as good as everybody. Yeah, yeah. So then your, was it your second full-time or third full-time season you won the championship? Yeah, yeah. So the third full-time season, uh, we won Barry in our third race. I was leading CTMP, and I wrecked out. Um, crash coming over the hill. But still, like, back then there was all gravel. So I, yeah. I left my foot in it, hit the tire barrier, kept my foot in it, and got through the gravel. Um, but, yeah, I won our third race, led a ton of laps, podium in almost every single race. Um it's just a dream season. We finished one, two as Fitzpatrick Motorsports that year. What, like what clicked? Like, was the equipment that good? Did you guys find something? I think it was just confidence. I mean, um, at such a young age, 18, like I was a little cocky, mm. a little arrogant. Um, but you know, I just, I did my homework in terms of the lines, the tracks, uh, Teddy built me a new car that year. Um, and yeah, everything just worked out. We, we just made sure we finished all the races and played smart. And yeah, I don't think we, I think we podium on every race, but like four. Wow. Wow. So you're saying, you know, you're a little cocky or arrogant. Did you hear that from the guys at the time or did you get kind of jabs every once in a while? Every little bit. I mean, Carrie was really good at telling me all the stuff I was doing wrong. Mm. Carrie Mix. We obviously had a heated exchange for a, a lot of years, but you know, and, and it happens, right? Like, I, again, I just didn't realize how good I had it. So, um, that hurt me in the near future. But for that year, once I just kept a level head, my dad stopped racing full time. So he was in my corner, keeping a good head on my shoulders. And, and yeah, like I said, we finished every race and led a ton of laps and, and finally won it. 
When did you first go down to the States to run? I think it was, well, I did a super late mile race at Speed Weeks in 05. And that's a big deal. Yeah, like, and when we were there, I was there. Jeff Chiquette was there. Landon Castle was there. And same thing, we were leading the first night, got wrecked out. I think we finished third in the points and super. So I think that really helped with my confidence, too, mm. going into the 06 season with Cascar. Um, and then I think we did a bush race with Johnny Johnny Davis okay. in Mexico City. Really? I believe that was 05 or 06. And people who don't know, that's, you know, Xfinity. That's yeah, freaking yeah, Saturday yeah. night. And it was it was wild. Like, you really don't realize how good Carl Edwards is until you get out <laughs> there with him. Right. But same thing, right? I got thrown to the Wolves because we were just going for experience, no expectations. I think I finished 32nd. Like, unbelievable. I was 17, I think, going out racing against all these guys. I remember talking with Brad Kislowski before he was Brad Kislowski. Yeah. Right? So that was a good experience as well. Um, and then, yeah, we ventured down a few times after that, but that was my first experience with Mexico City. Was that um, was that a little bit humbling to to go down there? Like, you know, when you're a kid and you're and you're good, you know, you think you're the best. Like, you know, who's going to win tonight? I am, yeah. right? But when you go down there and finish below thirtieth. Yeah. That's got to be a little bit of humble pie. It was, but obviously, like, with the Cascar stuff, I was still pretty humble grounded at that time because you're racing against the best in Canada. But, yeah, you're really getting an eye-opener when you go down and race those guys. The cars are so different. They're heavier. They got truck arms. They don't turn. Yeah. They got a ton of horsepower back then. So I had a blast. I learned a lot. Um, Mexico City road course was bad to the bone. That one straightaway, I think we got going, like, 186 or 87 miles an hour. <sighs> like, it was hauling the mail down that straightaway. Um, but yeah, learning curve for sure. What was uh, Mexico City like? I've heard like they had to like convoy the trucks in and like security and stuff. So I was going to say we didn't get to travel around because, yeah, you took buses and shuttles from the hotel to the track. And they highly suggested you stay in the hotel to eat your dinners and whatnot. And I remember that's what I did. What my crew at the time did because we brought our cash car team as well. I don't know if they behaved or not. I don't remember, but. Yeah, it was pretty wild. We got brought in and out. The track had barbed wire all around it, and it was pretty pretty wild. Wow. So how did that deal come about? Did you guys just buy a seat in that? Yeah, so basically Home Hardware said they would help me out a little bit to get some experience down there. So basically we just called Johnny. Uh, I'm not really familiar how that happened, but I'm pretty sure Don knew Murray Tim or somebody and hooked right. us up with somebody. And yeah, Johnny was just a good, good cheap ride to go get some experience. Right, right. What, um, you know, now you're, you're kind of getting a little bit older. What, what are you feeling that you like about racing at the time? Or what, like, what was the feeling you were getting from driving? Like, what was, what was it about it that, you know, put its hooks in you? It's not even just the driving. Like I try to explain people, like when you walk into the gate on race day, there's an intensity that you just can't explain. Like, I don't know if people get the same in hockey, baseball, whatever. I don't play none of that. But it's just the vibe, the energy. Like, when you walk in, it is go time. People are serious. They got their race face on. And then, yeah, I just love being in an intense environment. And then, obviously, competition. Like, Mm. I've always loved being competitive. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's a feeling that you'll never get out of me, that's for sure. Yeah. Do you, uh, have you ever had, like, a, like, a peak experience, like, an in-the-zone or, like, an out-of-body experience while you're driving? A few. There was, I'm going to say it would have been CTMP probably 2014 when I won my last CTMP race. 
the car was just so good where it almost felt like it was driving by itself. And, and like, so I wear hearing aids in the car, so I don't hear much anyway. But it's just one of those things where you see, like, in the movies where it's, like, tunnel. When I was going down the back stretch, that's all it felt like. I was just, like, one with the car. And it's, it's a feeling I don't think I've had since. Mm. But it's just when you get a car that good, you just feel like you're a part of it. And I miss that a little bit. Yeah. So you wear hearing aids in the car. No, and, so I take them out. Oh, you take them yeah. out. Okay. Yeah. So I take them out, and I have special earbuds that just make the noise on your radio a little louder. Right. So really, when they're in, I don't hear much. Like, I can hear the engine a little bit. Um, but, yeah, the, I can't hear a lot. That's probably almost nice in, like, a bush car or a cup car or something. It is, yeah. Yeah, because, well, even that super late I drove this year and the nationwide stuff, they're revving 9,200 RPM, so you don't get to hear a whole lot of it. Everyone's like, man, that thing is screaming. I'm like, not really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Huh. So when does, um, you know, so, so you're going down to the States, you're trying to get experience and for what, like that eventually you're going to go move down to North Carolina. Was that the idea? So we'll back up a little. So my dad had his motorcycle accident in 07. At that time when it happened, we didn't even know if he was going to live. How bad was it? It was bad. He was in a coma for 12 days and, and. We were going wow. to say goodbye to him. So Really? Yeah, my dad and I were really close in 05, 06, and he had his accident, and obviously he goes through a change, right, because he had severe head trauma. And so from 07 to 14, it was a bit of a battle between us just because things were different. Mm. But in that time period, he asked, like, what do you want to do? Right. And I said, I want to race for a living. So he said, okay, we'll give it a shot. So we did kind of like a B&B &B deal with Mammut Crane. Okay. And got them to sponsor us for a handful of races, which was supposed to be a full-time deal in 09. Okay, in uh, trucks. trucks. Trucks, okay, yeah. So we did a couple races to get my license, 08. Don't hit anything. Don't even spin out. Just ride around. Got my licenses for all that. Then we go to Daytona, 09. Almost win the truck race. Led right. most laps. Truck was amazing. Ran with TRG. So then that's the same time the TRG was starting their cup program. So what our price was per race kept going up and up and up and up. And we've noticed it because of this cup program getting started. Mm. So we ended up losing the deal after like four or five races. I think we were sixth or seventh in points in the trucks at the time. So we ended up backing out of that deal. And then we tried doing a handful of truck races here and there. Um, I started talking with Kevin Harvick, learning all these tracks and just in conversation, he's like, hey, why don't you come drive for me? So we brought a little bit of sponsorship over there, not a lot. He helped us out a bunch, ran some truck races with him, and finished the 09 season. The deal was supposed to be he was going to take his GM money okay. and put me in full-time ARCA in 2010. Okay. Never happened because that's the year GM at the end of the year pulled all their GM funding from uh, Xfinity, which was nationwide then, yeah. and trucks. So no ride again. So then in 2010, we decided that we'd talk to Chic Hydro. I had a manager who had a connection there. Got a deal with Chic Hydro. And we decided we were going to go to Xfinity Race. Oh, like the Razor company. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. That I don't use anymore, clearly. <laughs> so we do Chic Hydro, come up with a three-race deal to go run with Dale Jr. How much money did they give you? They gave us about enough to do three races. Okay. So it was 150 US per race to do an Xfinity deal with Dale Jr., so it was fully paid for. So it was great. So then we started talking with Dale Jr. more about, listen, put me in an oval. Yep. So then we tried to work out some numbers because that's the year that they were trying different drivers because Danica was leaving. Okay. So it was me, Steve Arpin, and then I think Eric Amarola showed up. 
once Eric Armorola showed up, we were all done. But then the unfortunate thing is that year, Michael Waltrip snagged Schick Hydro from us. Really? So in 2011, you'll see all the cup guys, they had had Schick Hydro on their suits. Huh. So we had no sponsor after that either. Ah, so it got poached. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. So how were you finding sponsorship at the time? How were you, like, like that's a big deal to get. So I'm not really much of a sales guy at all. I'm not very good at uh, chasing people or talking, per se. So we had a manager at the time that was doing all that for us, and, and he did a good job. He found us a little bit of money here and there. It was really hard to get corporate Canada to back a Canadian driver, go to race down south at yeah. the time anyway. So he did find us a little bit of money. Through all his connections, he somehow hooked us up with Steve Meehan, who wanted to start Go Canada Racing in okay. 2011. Okay. So we ended up doing six, I think, Xfinity races with him for free. Wow. And the plan there was he was going to hire myself and Andrew Ranger to start an all-Canada team in 2012. For uh, Xfinity. That's right. Wow. So did you have any more, like, how'd you do in the junior equipment? Because that's got to be some of the best equipment you were in. We were running top five in all races, but we ended up finishing within the top 10. Equipment was amazing. You don't realize um, how good they have it until you go with your own stuff. So what I didn't tell you before is we ended up doing our own deal for Montreal in 2007. Okay, for the Yeah, got our own car built. Murray Tim did the body. We got an old Hendrick engine, blah, blah. Didn't make the race because the engine blew up. Oh, geez. So we got connected with Dale Jr. in 2010. Their equipment was amazing. I got the work of Tony Erie Jr., incredible man, very smart. Um, Yeah, the equipment was there. It was on par with everybody else. I felt really good in the car. When we were at Road America, I was running third, I think, to Brad Kay before the last caution, and they just booted me out of the way. I wasn't ready for all that. Right. So the equipment was very good there. Right. So what was the deal with this Go Canada team? How did how did that shake out? So, yeah, it was just a Canadian investor guy, businessman. He bought uh, Curb, which was the 27 Curb team okay. in Nashville. Yeah. So he wanted to run the team out in Nashville, go for a full championship in 2012, trying to get Ford Canada sponsored a car, et cetera, et cetera. It was a work in progress. Mm. We ended up finishing fifth in Montreal in that car. Um, but, yeah, it's just we ended up having a falling out because he wanted me to move down to Nashville right away and, and, and get started with the team, et cetera, et cetera. But I felt like it wasn't the smart move at the time just because nothing was signed yet. Right. So we went down. We were looking at places and whatnot, but nothing was signed, so we decided not to do it. Anyway, he ended up firing me because mm. he told me at the time that I wasn't taking racing seriously, which is – to this day, I still have the letter that he wrote me, which, uh, you know, I use his motivation later. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we were out of a ride after that. And you, you know, you feel the other way like that. You were definitely taking it seriously. Yeah. Racing is all I've ever thought about, even to this day. So I took that to heart. I was pretty upset and bitter for a lot of years over that. Um, but yeah, I ended up using it as motivation. So did that team fall apart? Yeah. So a year later, the, the team was gone. Right. And you ran... Ranger was your teammate? So Ranger did a few races. I did a few races. But the, the goal was to have a two-car team in 2012. And ultimately, he, it just never happened. Did you ever move down south? So I did. I lived with Butch Hilton. Okay. If people don't know Butch, he was the, the crew chief or car chief for Bobby Labonte in the 2000 uh, Winston Cup championship team. Very smart man. I owe a lot to that guy. He taught me a lot. I actually lived in his house. Really? Yeah, we, I was there for six, seven months. Like down in Mooresville? Yep. Right yep. on. So you lived down there, and then when did, 
I mean, I guess when did you kind of stop trying to do races down in the States or how did, you know, the mentality change? So I'm going to say the mentality changed after I lost the Mammut deal okay? because that was a great team. TRG with Butch's crew chief. That was an amazing team. I started learning how everything was working, right? Mm. Nobody would talk to you if you had no money. Right. You know, everybody was your friend if you had money. So I started learning that. And again, it was probably hurting me because my personality was getting worse and worse and worse because I was angry that everything was about money. Mm. It's just how the world works. Um, so we actually stopped trying in 2012. I ran a couple races with Steve or Stacy Compton. And then after that, we just stopped. We decided to come back home and, and focus on trying to win more Canadian championships. Right. So I guess like, how did you, how did you perceive it or how did you want it? You wanted it to be, you know, based solely on talent. I didn't know I wasn't a part of the business deals then, right? My dad and my manager at the time looked after all that. Right. So I was just the guy that says, oh, I'm just going to go drive a truck all year. Yeah. Not knowing the costs and, and the B2B deals that are going on behind the scenes. So when that was taken away, I didn't understand why mm. until later in life you start hearing why, but it's all money. So, you know, then in 2009, you're talking it was 100 US to do a truck race. Right. So it's a ton of money. Yeah. Um, we were trying to find sponsors, trying to find Canadian sponsors and just couldn't come up with it. But you're talking like in 08, that's when the big recession was in the U S. So they were taking anybody with money right but after the next couple of years, once all the sponsors are coming back and stuff, unless you had money, they don't want to talk to you. Right. Right. It's funny. We, we, we come at it from such different perspectives, you know, ever since I was young, you know, my dad's like, yeah, you can, you can run whatever you want as long as you find the money to yeah. go do it. And he's like, you know, with anything, he's like, you find the money, you're a pro. Like, yeah. you, you know, even if you're running last place, you go find a million bucks, it costs you 500 grand, you just made 500 grand. Yeah. That's where the money is. You're yeah. not just going to go out there and win every race with no one on the car. And that's it. Like, I feel like I didn't understand the whole how the business worked because I got walked down the hill on my farm into a professional race shop. There's sponsors, there's Milwaukee tools at the time on my car, home hardware. We had good brands, but I didn't know the business side of it. Mm. I was not a part of it, probably chose not to be. Um, I just knew I had a great brand behind me. I knew I had the best equipment. So it was my job just trying to go win. Yep. So why can't that concept work in the U.S.? Right. But it's all about money. Yeah, it just just takes more and more and bigger deals. And, you know, the the Americans, too, they... they uh, they just think bigger too, right? You know, and there's they've got such big brands down there, so many people to market to. I always say it's sad, right? That a lot of there's a ton of Canadian talent. Yeah. A lot of guys I know can go down and win races there. But the problem is I've been telling everyone if Kyle Bush can't return the Joe Gibbs because he doesn't have a sponsor, what's that say for the rest of us? Right. So it's definitely a tough market to get in. Um but hey, we all got that bug. We're all gonna just keep racing no matter what it is. Yeah, you are you are definitely the definition of, you know, a racer, a guy like you know, I see from afar on social media or whatever, the a guy who will get in anything. You know, and there's different there's guys who, you know, will say no to a bunch of rides, but you're gonna get in whatever is offered to you really. Yeah, I've driven a lot of stuff over the last few years, but really I didn't start getting into a lot of different cars until my dad shut the team down. Right. So from the, like the 07 to 14, it was a tough stretch for us in the NASCAR Pinty Series then. Or sorry, it was Canadian Tire Series yeah, then. Yeah, You know, we won some races, came up short on championship, I think, three or four times. We finished in the top two or three. So there just came a time where my dad's like, listen, I don't want to do this anymore. 
Um, at the time, I was starting a young family yep. um, with my girlfriend, Laura, who I'm married to now. Um, so we just decided to pull the plug. And I didn't realize how good I had it till I walked down to that shop and it was empty. Mm. There's no tools, no cars. So I had to rebuild. I wanted the race. Right. So I started by running my father-in-law's super late model at uh, just a bunch of local races. Got some rides from pe- some people in late model and... I went down to Hurricane Midgets. I've driven mini stocks. I cool. tried everything I could. Um, so, yeah, ever since 2014 on, we've definitely tried a bunch of different stuff. Right. So you're still kind of on that program. You you, you now have a race team. Like, you yep. have a shop still. Is that your dad's shop? Yep. So that's still the shop. Yep. We just have built it up from what it was, right? So obviously, like, saws and all that were still there. Yeah. But all the race car, spare parts, everything was gone. So really, we spent all our money literally – like, Laura and I, I tell my dad the story and other people too. So, Laura goes grocery shopping one day. I give her my debit card. She goes, it's declined. So, we literally spent all our money to build this super late mall of mine for 2015. Yeah, it was a cool looking car. It was a badass car. That thing was amazing. But it was like 80000 right? So, we spent all our money to build this car. At that time, I had a little girl, had a wife-to-be, and we have no money. <laughs> So, and it's, it's sad to say because I do come from a wealthy family. My dad's done very well for himself, yeah. but he was teaching me to start from nothing. Right. So we literally went rock bottom, built this team back up to now we've won eight championships since. So it, I take a lot of pride in that. I take a lot of pride in our shop, the racing, and I'm having more fun than ever. Right. I do miss running the Pinty series, but right now I'm having the most fun I've ever had. During... Backing up to either the Pinty Series or even down south, was there ever a time when racing turned a little sour for you or, or um, you know, you weren't having as much fun? I think a lot of the years in from 07 to like 2011-ish, it wasn't fun for me because I was so bitter and angry about what was going on down south. I was bringing it at home. I just think a lot of races I could have won or finished second or third. Like I said, I've lost three championships just solely on my stupidity. Mm. You know, Scott Stackley and I, we didn't get along for so many years because I would rather have spun someone out or spun myself out going for the win instead of finishing second or third. Right. And we laugh now, Scott and I, because I consider him a great friend now. He's a great guy. He would have won his first, or he would have won several road course races if it wasn't for me, and I would have won several championships if it wasn't for me. Yeah, right. Because I've taken both of us out at these races, so... My attitude was bad. It was very bitter, very grumpy. That's why people put grumpy on my car now. Um, I just didn't appreciate what I had at the time. So right. I was racing like an idiot. Were you, um, you know, everyone, everyone who's competitive and good, like losing sucks, right? But were you like a sore loser? Definitely a sore loser. Yeah. Um, but I just, I didn't understand what it took to race for a championship because I forgot all about when I was 18 in Cascar. It was all or nothing. NASCAR was in the country now, owning NASCAR Canada. I wanted to win everything. It was all or nothing. And I felt like my personality off the track took over what it should have been on the track. So mm. I was trying to make more of a statement off than on. So if someone spun me out, I was game to go over and start punching heads in. Where really I should just, you know, gathered it all up, went back, finished sixth or seventh, collect points. Right. Where back then I was, I was just, I was a little bit of a nutcase back then. Right. So the way I race now, I feel if I race the way I do now, back then I would have won several championships. I feel like now I race, I'm the best I've ever been now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, um, that's probably something you learn from, you know, the, 
the way you're approaching it now or the way you had to rebuild is, you know, you've got a third place car, you got a third place car, you go finish third, you pack it up, it's all in one piece, you go home. Just like every guy who's, you know, paying their own way, they're not going to go just wreck someone because they're, you know, trying to trying to pass a guy on a dive bomb just to whatever. Try and that's and, what my dad was teaching me. Mm. He's like, you want to race like that? We're done. You know, I don't want to do it no more. So now you start paying for your own stuff. Mm. It's like, hey, I'm not going to stick it in there. You know, I'll take third. That fender's 400 bucks. Right. Where back then, I'd drive over three people to get third. It didn't matter. So my dad was hard on me for those few years. But, man, what he's taught me has made me the man I am today. Mm. made me eight-time champion we are today. So I owe everything to my dad for doing what he did because, like you said, I race with much more respect now. Right. Right. Yeah, that's something... Um yeah, yeah, it sounds like you kind of learned that in reverse a little bit. That's <laughs> great. That's great. So uh, coming back and running uh, super late models, and then why did you jump from super lates to more late model stuff? So I ran the super lates because my in-laws, my wife's family are all in super late models. Super, Outlaw super late models is my favorite race car. Okay. Ton of horsepower. They don't weigh anything. So I ran that for two years. We finished second and then won the championship in sixteen. And then so I was going to do super late again, but I got an opportunity to run for a, a team that was out of Owen Sound. Owen Sound? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, to race APC series. And at the time, they were picking up a lot of heat. They were getting a lot of cars, good yeah. money. So I decided to go drive for them. Worst decision of my personal career because I lost all rights to work on the car. We built the car for them. Lost all rights to work on the car. Uh, the setup stuff changed. I had a crew chief, Dion Deneau was uh, Butch Miller's ASA crew chief. He is a genius. He really uh, put it in me to don't be afraid to try stuff, go test. Man, we had our stuff working so good. We go to the first APC race with that team and struggle. Two laps down, cars wow. bouncing. We had a few issues that we knew how to fix. So I had an option. The owner says either you get rid of him or we're done. So me being selfish, I want to keep racing. I got rid of Dion instead of picking them up and doing our own thing. That was probably the worst decision I made in my personal racing mm. career since leaving Pinty. So I had the opportunity to race for a few more races with that owner, and then the car ended up breaking, and we just rode it off. So then the opportunity came where my dad wanted to get back in and help me out a little bit because I couldn't afford to do an APC car. Right. So he says, let's convert your super late. And I'm like, great idea. They're not much different. Okay. So he gave me a little bit of money to put a body on the car, and we got Junior Hanley to fix it all up and make it legal. And... And then we started running our own car from then on. And, and the late model scene is probably a little more competitive right at the time. Yeah. So we stayed from there from 2018 to current. Right, right. And won a bunch of championships. Yeah, we won two championships. We finished third this year. We were definitely the best car this year, but okay. I broke at Flamborough Speedway and lost by four points. Oh, geez. But we lost to the 22 race team with Kyle Steckley, obviously. Uh, another great team coming to the tour. Um, just sucks. That's all. Yeah. Uh, who are some of the kids that you run against now that you're like, well, that, that guy's got it. Kyle, for sure. Kyle yeah. Steckley is just like his dad. Very conservative, very smart, works on his own stuff. Uh, Triton Lathvich, I've raced with him when he was a lot younger. Yeah. Uh, a couple times recently. He's obviously really good as well. Um, but man, there's so many good racers that don't even get the opportunity to go in APC that are at all the local tracks. So I try to tell them like, it's not always, don't waste all your money if you don't have it to go to the next level, right. so just be happy with what you're racing. And if that's what your means are, stay there just because I, everything I went through 
it's not even as bad as what some people go through. I know people who have mortgaged their house to get a car and then lose it all. Yeah. So it's there's so much talent on, in Ontario and Canada. Um, like I said, I would love to see them all get the opportunity to go down south, but it's just time and money. Yeah, for sure. If yeah, if you don't have the legs, like if you don't have the money to continue on, you know, you're gonna get stuck. You're gonna have your family spend millions of dollars, and even if you win a truck championship, who cares? You're That's not it. like you're not gonna continue on unless you can, you know, really hook up with a big company. So it's funny because even in racing in general, now that I'm older, working for my family's business. I win the championship on, say, Saturday or win a race on Saturday. I go to work on Monday all pumped up telling the guys, like, oh, yeah, I just won on the weekend. They're like, oh, yeah, cool, get to work. Yep, yeah. Right? Outside of the racing world, nobody really cares. So right. Once I learned that mentality, I think it really made me appreciate what we do on weekends more. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny how, like, when you're younger growing up, like, and even now, like, it's all you think about. But, you know, it's it's like the whole world revolves around your race season and your championship. And, like, that's, you know, where all the action is. And you step outside of it, and it's irrelevant to people. Yeah, I only ever call year seasons because there's only one season that matters. That's race season. Right. Do you uh, do you do stuff in the off season? Like, do you snowmobile or anything? So, still? I, don't, I haven't been on a snowmobile since, obviously, I had an accident myself in... I don't know what year, 06, something destroyed my dad's uh, Yamaha. I think it was called RX1 or RS1. So I haven't been on one since, um, probably for the better. But I have two girls now, so obviously we do a ton of, like, tobogganing and snowboarding. I love snowboarding. So we do that kind of stuff, and then really just rebuild cars. Yeah. Um, it's definitely changed a lot now that my girls are getting older. Mm. Um, but, yeah, we just work on race cars all winter and race them all summer. Are, uh, are either of the girls going to uh, end up driving anything? I think my youngest will. Yeah. Um, How I'm old not she? gonna force her to. She's three, okay. three and a half. I'm not gonna force her to, but she loves race cars. She loves being at the track. She loves the camping. She loves going to watch. And she has the attitude. I think. I think she's very competitive. Yeah. Um, but she's a sore loser right now, for sure. For so, sure. Um, that could be good or bad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think she'll be. But again, I'm not gonna force her to do it if she wants to. I think that'd be a dream come true for me to race against her. If I can race against her in a full body car, I'd be retired after that yeah yeah that's cool yeah that that's um you know part of the reason why my dad my brother and i have we i think we've done it twice now all run most and he's like he's you know 61 now and he's like i'm not gonna get to do this that much longer and racing against the boys is cool and he probably still gives you a good run for your money pretty good pretty good hasn't beat me yet (laughs) yeah what um if you were to get the opportunity and I'll ask you a couple questions on this. If you were to get the opportunity to run any race now, what would it be? Like if you could show up in good equipment, a one-off deal. It'd be CTMP in a Pinty's car for sure. Yeah, you miss it? I miss it a little bit. Like I said, I, I just, the way I race now, how mature I am now compared to what I used to be, I know if I had the right opportunity, even to run a full season, but a race in a good top-notch car, I could go win still. Mm-hmm. I do truly believe that. Um because I, I still remember all the tracks like nothing. I still feel like I'm driving really good, if not the best I've ever been. Just I feel like you need to be in a good car. Yeah. Like the Pinty Series now has really changed where there's like a handful of good teams you need to be with. For sure. Um, to run the full season. So um, I did a couple one-offs. I did uh, a team at Delaware, and I really realized then it was a struggle. Yeah. So I don't like dipping in anymore at cars I don't think can win mm-hmm. um but definitely I do CTMP in a Pinty's car yeah yeah I mean even since since I started which was the year full season the year after you left 
like the number of guys now who can go win on a road course is like, you know, whatever the last race Tagliani seventh. It's like, yeah, when I was there, it was usually like three or four of us. You knew were going to be there at yeah. CTMP is myself, Jeff Lachovic, Robin Buck when he ran because a uh, ranger because there wasn't Lacroix or Dumoulin was there. Dumoulin was good, too. but he was building his. Yeah. So stuff, now, yeah. like you say, I want to be a part of that. I want to go and try and give those guys a run for their yeah. money. So it's been a few years since it's been on a road course. I'm building a CASC car. Cool. That I'm going to go to back to CTMP this coming season. It was supposed to be in 2023, but kind of ran out of time and money to finish that car. So what are you building? It's going to be my first how late model that I had when I was 13. Okay. I got it back and kind of restored it. And I was looking at it like, what am I going to do with this thing? So we decided to do some more cutting, and then we're just going to make it a, a road course car and, cool. and go play around with it and, and see if I still got it there. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, do you have any bucket list races that are like you will do before you're too old? Yeah, so I'm definitely going to go down south and run some super late model stuff, like the Outlaw stuff. I got to do Toledo this year, which was a bucket list of mine. Yeah. Love that racetrack. It was incredible. So there's a few of those I want to do. Um, I'd like to learn a little more about the road course stuff because I would like to take this car and go back to like Road America or, mm. or any of those kind of tracks and just have fun. Um, obviously, the NASCAR stuff in the U.S. is out of my reach now. Um, I'm glad I got to do all that stuff. But really now, I just want to do some stuff and go have some fun. Right, right. Yeah, it's funny, like, um, you know, what you're saying about being probably the best you've ever been. It's, it's you know, all these opportunities – you're so so thankful when you get them and you know you're usually pretty young and same with my stuff like I was so young and I still I feel like I'm the best I've ever been and I'm 30 and you don't you know now everyone's looking at these young kids and it's like okay you got to be doing this by the time you're this old or whatever but you go back only whatever 20 years in cup and it's like okay well you weren't expected to win until you were 30 you had you know however many years of paying your dues building your notebook and maturing and i think like probably you know the best race car drivers outside of say you know shifter carts and indie car stuff that's super you know physical like you're not really mature enough until you're in your 30s that's right and dale jr says that the best you'll be or in your prime is 35 right i think he's right because if you look at stats like like donnie thompson didn't win his first championship until he's 37 scott steckley won his i think when he's 36 or 37 so yeah I think mid-30s, you start learning how to attack a race better. When you're young, it's wide open. Get to the front. Do what you got to do. Right. Obviously, there's some young talents that are really conservative and smart. Like I said, Triton and Kyle are very good at that. But for me, like I said, I li literally feel like I'm the best I've ever been right now at 35. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. When you were, uh, when you were young, were you like a race fan? Did you watch a bunch of racing? Oh, yeah. What, my you whole watch? family, we watched all the races on Sunday. My mom was a huge Chef Gordon fan. My dad was a Dale Sr. fan. Uh, every Sunday, it was a religion for us to watch the race as a family. Uh, people came over. My mom made, like, burgers and stuff. So, yeah, we were actively watching races every Sunday. Laura and I, we still little bits here and there. We leave it on, but we don't watch the whole thing because with the girls, you can't sit for that long. Yeah. So, um, we still watch races every Sunday. It's easy now. I love the uh, like recaps and stuff, right? Yeah. You can just watch the highlights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you, uh, the simulator stuff have, has been like more and more fascinating to me and, and, you know, finally getting some good equipment. It's fun to go run on. Do you do any of that stuff? No. So like I said, I've never done a simulator. I don't even have racing. 
So there is somebody on iRacing with my same name because I had a guy come to me at track say, hey, wasn't that fun last week? I'm like, he's like, oh, I'm such and such. I'm like, no, I don't have iRacing. I've done it a couple times with my friends, and it's really cool, and I wish I had it because it still gives you the, like, the perspective of some of these tracks and, and the visual and whatnot. But, yeah, the actual sim stuff, I would love to get more involved with that, but um, I just never had the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's fun. Like, I've got friends now who are – you know, race freaking every night and you get like, you're going to get so much better. Like, um, buddy, he was on the podcast, Kenny, he's, uh, grew up racing go-karts with me and then super bikes and then bought a radical, you know, maybe two years ago and went back to, to racing. And he's like a freak on I racing and, you know, went from, you know, running to lap record at most port. And he's like, dude, I racing. That's it, wild. Yeah. I don't have the good enough internet to do it. Mm. So really, like I said earlier, like when I got thrown in the cast car, we didn't have all that. It was basically just, here's the track, good luck. Right. So, I mean, I think, I think obviously if someone does the iRacing, it's an advantage to someone who's literally just been thrown at a track and saying, good luck. You know, you're going over turn four and not knowing if it's left or right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've never, I just never had the opportunity to try it. Yeah. So what's next? You're going to run your late model again? I don't know. I mean, I would really like to go for a third championship. We've only run the APC late mall five full seasons, and we've won two. And like I said, this past season was really good for us. We broke, took us out of contention. We finished third. I still feel I can go win. I want to go win another championship. But at the same time, I'm at the age a little bit where it's like, should we venture a little bit? Like, go down south, run some outlaw stuff. I had an opportunity to run with Bobby Blunt this year, and we won some races with him. I uh, went to Toledo leading motor broke. So his stuff's phenomenal. So I had the opportunity to go down South and do some of that kind of stuff. Or do I want to go for a third? I don't know. It's still, mm-hmm. I'm still trying to process what I want to do and uh, definitely going to get on a road course again this year. That's my focus right now. We're working on that car, getting a good engine for it and going to play around a little bit with that. But again, I would like to maybe try Pinties. I don't know. My head's all over the place on what I want to do. Right. Do you, uh, do you spend any time looking for sponsorship? Like I said, I'm really bad at promoting myself or, or, or a brand. Um, I'm just not good at it. I'm very shy, like, in, in real life. Like, you'll never see me walk up to someone and start talking to someone because sure. I just, I don't know, I'm just bad at talking. Um, I do want to try some dirt stuff too. Yeah. Um, I've seen some people having opportunities to go dirt racing. I got some friends now that race sprint cars and create sprints. I want to do that, but it's one of those deals. I got to sell a car to buy one. So. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I even if I dabble into a bunch of little things, maybe next year. I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do. Right, right. Um, what advice do you have? I always ask some sort of advice question at the end of the interview. But so for you, what advice do you have for, um, you know, someone who maybe they weren't quite at your level or were quite at your level to continue racing? Like, what gives someone the longevity where okay, I'm not gonna go be a cup star, but I, I want to continue racing and make it fun for myself. I feel like if, if you don't get in the car and you're sitting there before they say, gentlemen, start your engines or before you're going out on the track for your heat race or whatever, if you don't have the butterflies in your stomach, it's mm. over. Mm. I still get them. I get them when I'm thinking about it. It's such a great feeling. So if you still don't have that vibe when you walk in the track, like this is the greatest place ever or the butterflies, then maybe it's time to do something different. Um, but again, like just stick to your own means, right? Like I said, I've had friends lose their houses over going racing. 
Um, I feel like that's why I like dabbling in some other classes because I never said to anyone, you know, I like going down to lower classes. I like going to another class to try and beat the best in that division. So sure. If I'm racing late mall and I go run a mini stock, try and beat the best in that division because they are the best in that division. So if you're not having fun, it's time to do something else. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And it's such a good point too. Like you, you know, I don't care who you are, whoever the, 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 you know, maybe not Verstappen, maybe Verstappen goes to the world, you know, championship in a shifter card. He's not going to win the race. You know, it's, it is a different, you're not stepping down. You're going to different classes and yeah, racing the yeah, best. I, I've really strived on that. I've tried to tell people cause they're like, why would you go from like in 2011, I ran capital city in a mini stock. Yeah. They're like, you're going to race Pinty's or sorry, Canadian tire series at a time and nationwide. And you're coming to race mini stocks. Like, yeah. Cause I want to beat those guys. They're the best of their division. I want to beat them. Yeah. And sure enough, we did. Thankfully. Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> probably, he <laughs> needed to win that one. But yeah. But honestly, it's, it's a lot of fun. You meet new people. You meet, a, uh, you know, I met my wife through racing. I met all my friends through racing. And it's not just because I ran NASCAR or Canadian tire series is because I ventured around. I go to my local tracks and race and I met a ton of great people. And, and I feel like that's also why I love racing so much is we're all a big family and we all do anything for each other. And, but when we're on the track, it's game on. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. If you, um, I got, I got more questions for you. I don't want to end it. Um, I asked John this question. Um, maybe you'll give me a different answer. Maybe you'll give me the same one. If you were, uh, to design a series, how would you how would you design it? Whatever series it is, you have thoughts on? I mean, it depends. Is 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 the are we on a budget? Like, are we doing a, like a budget style racing? Because just to create, um, you know, obviously, I think the goal is to create good competition and big fields. Um, you know, I'm gonna say you've got a reasonable budget. So I still think rules and rule changes hurt racing. Mm. So, like, even in NASCAR days, we had 43 cars. When NASCAR came in, they changed a ton of stuff, which cost a lot of money, and we, we split our field in half. So, if I was to build a series any way I wanted, I would say it's an open, super late model class. Because I wouldn't care if you run Pro Shocks, Penske Shocks, whatever. Whatever you do to make your car go fast. So, basically, it's like an open class. Yeah. Um, I do know people are trying to do this time bracket stuff on ovals. Mm. A lot of people say it's not racing, but it, the theory behind it is good. But I would say an open super late model class, build your own bodies, build your own chassis if you'd like to be perimeter, straight rail, whatever. Because um, I just think rules sometimes hurt it. Right, right. So just have at it. Have at her. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Um, one more, one more. Uh, if what if you had to, if you were a coach of a, of a kid, and uh, maybe it'll be your daughter one day, but... Um, where do you think they're going to learn the most or what kind of path would you put them on to, to develop, you know, as a race car driver? I mean, I would say just not rush. Like just, if you're going to start a go-kart, let's do a few years of that. If you're comfortable, if you're having fun, if you're being successful, racing clean. Cause I feel like some of the kids that I see or watch, they're pretty dirty. Like racing's changed so much. Like like in the truck race at CTMP, you almost waited for the last lap for the second place guy to dump the leader. Yep. And Pinty's is like that too. Like it is. I've it's seen become that, like that right? now. Yeah. It's, that's, and that's not racing. So I feel like if they if if the individual race is clean, winning some races, good passes, move to the next level, have some fun, start over, start over, start over. Because I don't want the person I'm bringing up, say my daughter Adeline, to go from a go kart to a late model just because she can. Right. 
you know, I, I, I feel like some kids are getting pushed on pretty early now. Um, like I said, some strive through it, but some I feel are pushed in situations too early. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good, man. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no problem. I'm yeah, happy yeah. to be here. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, thanks. See you guys next week.